Hi everybody, it's Trish Rubin here, and this is the Blur and Blend Marketing Podcast, the B&B. And some of you who have listened to my podcast know that I've really built my brand so far on talking with interesting people, and people who I know, uh, who have come to my class to talk to my students, and people I've known through business. My podcast is about that, it's about finding my way through this fog of communication marketing, branding, finding my way to good people who I want to do business with, good people who I want to be informed with, and that I want to share with the people that I know. And today, I'm going to introduce you to uh, one person, and then also bring in another. Uh, My first guest is Adam Salakus, and Adam has really made an impression on me because he lives what I enjoy most about marketing, experience. And the back story for Adam is I wouldn't even know Adam if it hadn't been for one of my students. And that student in Paris introduced me to Adam out of a case study assignment. He found Adam's firm. He found his company and actually learned to my astonishment that he said, and there, this company is right in New York, Trish, right in your backyard. <laughs> so that student helped me to understand that uh, there's so much out there when you talk about innovation in the fog. I was able to be introduced by my student to Adam. He'll tell you more about what he's doing. And uh, so nothing is straight. The path does just not go from here to there, from one to two. So meeting Adam is like one, three, two, all the way around again, bringing him into my classroom. So I love living that kind of uh, circuitous ride in the fog. Joining us at the table is a student, and it's perfect for me. This podcast is going to be shared with my students, and my students who are in Paris are going to be meeting Adam and Ben Turret. And Ben is a rising senior at Tulane University. And if you're in France, you may know a little tiny town called New Orleans, where Ben is going to school and is educating himself in marketing and management. And Ben came here to sort of watch the action, but I have to ask, just say about Adam, he, he really knew how to bring Ben in. The conversations that were happening before the podcast needed to become part of the podcast. So thank you, Adam, for including Ben in this because Ben is going to be part of this session, asking some questions, giving some feedback, so that this makes it a very um, dynamic session for my students and for the people that I work with, clients, other teachers, uh, who's ever out there in the fog, you're going to get something special today. So. Let's welcome uh, Adam Zalakis first. Thank you for coming. What a wonderful introduction. Thank you so much, Trish. It's a pleasure to be here. And I thought I'd start off with a little uh, background on who I am and where I come from and what's my purpose, I guess. Uh, I grew up in New York City in the 80s and 90s and actually had a disdain for advertising and marketing you know, if me and my friends saw something up on a billboard, a car, a fashion brand, it was kind of a note not to buy it. <laughs> uh, and because we were living, uh, you know, it's this pre-Instagram, you know, internet was just just rising. And what had influence on us were, you know, 
the things happening in the streets or city culture, let's say. You know, it could have been what's happening at the skate shop, talking to people there, what's what's on the come up. You know, it could be, uh, you know, some new uh, store, other stores are popping up. So, you know, it's the streets that had a big influence on my life and understanding and navigating them. And, and so what, uh, after I went to a business school, undergraduate at Babson, I said, you know, what's missing in marketing is taking city culture and the influence it has over people's lives. You know, how we go to work, where we hang out, what we do for play, you know, all these things, you know, it's just missing from, you know, the billboards, the ads on TV and the internet banner ads at the time. So we said, we're going to take, uh, start a company, all terrain and focus on those things that provide, you know, uh, value experience to people's lives. And that's kind of been the road we, I've been traveling is to make marketing better for people and for brands. Thank you. And I think what we were talking about earlier before we started the podcast was this works B2B and B2C. And then I was uh, sparked to think about something called H2H, which my students will probably be hearing about. Uh, so not just you know business to business, mm-hmm. not just business to consumer, but human to human. Mm-hmm. So what you're doing is really the celebration of that human-to-human experience, whatever it is. And I loved, um, I'm taking notes as I'm listening to you, uh, the street, you know, influences life. So where are you going to go to be the most current? Where are you going to go to find the the people you want to be with? Exactly. In the street. You know, some people call it experiential, guerrilla, event marketing. There's a whole lot of terms thrown around. Yeah, thank you for saying that because I have students that are going to be listening to this. So are there differences in those things? Well, we feel it all comes down to one thing, uh, offering people a personal experience. You know, so we, the reason being is we feel that offers the most value because you register it differently in your brain. So if you, I don't you know, listen to the radio, you probably forgot what ads were on this morning, or if you are scrolling through Instagram, it's just, you know, it's just so, it's so mind-numbing. But when you have a personal connection with the brand, you know, whether someone's sampling you a new, you know, snack fruit bar, or you get to drive in a new car, maybe it was the car you rented from, you know, Enterprise, and then you end up buying the car, but that personal experience is everything, in our opinion, at all terrain, because that's what people remember, that's what influences people's behaviors. And that's what, uh, and if it's a really great experience, it's something that you'll end up sharing with your friends and family. How do the conversations begin? Uh, maybe there's different roads to travel. So uh, when you're uh, pitching a client, you know, how does that look when um, you don't have to pitch a client, maybe you're just involved with, you know, developing a campaign. How do these things bubble up? Do people come, they come specifically to find you for those personal experiences? Right, so we really don't like pitching anything for that matter because it's always an awkward you know, situation. So more of a conversation, someone will find us uh, through, you know, uh, we'll say, could be LinkedIn, could be through a friend, they worked with us in the past, but the, really the conversation goes, you know, what is your brand about? Who's your ideal audience? And what are your goals? You know, are you launching a product? Is it a product that's, a brand that's already been out, everybody knows it? 
but it's it's lagging, you know, in interest or it's lagging in excitement or what have you. So, getting understanding that, and then of course understanding uh, that ideal audience is live. So the people who live in New York uh, operate and live much differently than someone in LA from the way you go to work, what you do on the weekends, the whole lifestyle. So understanding the cities and then the city, you know, the culture that that person lives in. And so we take that, take the goals, and then you try and figure out a way to bring something to the their ideal audience that they'll, that, you know, not only is, is creative and interesting, you know, attracts attention, educates them, but something that's also scalable, you know, because you can spend a whole lot of money on marketing. Mm -hmm. And there, as we were talking earlier, there are so many choices out there. You have to figure out something that really is efficient and something you could duplicate. Talk about a blur. <laughs> yeah. <Right. laughs> and again, you know, we might have to tweak it for Miami, you know, Boston is different culture than New York. So, but something that you can do and reaches a whole lot of people that's efficient and ideally, you know, something that could be a profit center even, you know. So, you know, it's like, hey, if you make a $100 purchase at this retailer, you know, you get this for free. It's very similar to online marketing where I shop you know, uh, this organic market called Thrive online. And, and every day there's an email that says, you spend $49, you get this, you know, uh, you know, this tea or, you know, some, some other protein mix or something along those lines. It incentivizes me to take a look, I'll see what else I need on my list and maybe I'll put in an extra order today. Mm -hmm. So we, we look at experiential the same way. So you could put the mechanics in there so that it actually, uh, you know, not only brings in new customers, but also, you know, raises the amount of the, the amount that those customers spend on your brand. Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking about just the whole idea that just from my research in this area, just brands are just really trying to um, build in experiential campaigns. And if they're doing that internally, are they as successful as people who can really understand this? So for you, if, what do you see when you get probably say okay here they go you know it's a big a big brand and they're gonna internally do an experiential campaign can they do that <laughs> what's the yeah so as you as you're I think alluding to is a lot of brands are bringing their teams and creative in-house yeah. exactly and often I mean each brand is different but they'll often have one person maybe a group of three who are in charge of their events their trade shows possibly their festivals but often those three people need to rely on out suppliers, partners, whatever you want to call them to, you know, build out the structure for the festival, mm -hmm. to staff that festival. And what if you have three festivals happening on the same day? <laughs> or if you have, you know, trying to celebrate, you know, 4th of July and be at all the fireworks celebrations or you know, whether in the event or capturing the tens of thousand people walking to, you know, the river to watch the uh, fireworks. Uh, it's a prime opportunity. So how do they do that? So often they'll reach out to a company like All Terrain that has managers, people, warehouses in each city and uh. figure out a way of doing it. So figure out a way to uh, get everyone's attention and interest, to educate them and then to motivate them to take some sort of action. Yeah, I just feel like that more and more we know that we've talked about this, this uh, shift to brands really taking back um, ownership at the same time 
having to depend upon people on who really get the idea of the supply chain for doing this. What does it look like to do an event here in New York, move it to Chicago, same thing, LA, and have those connections um, in that. So is that something, uh, do you, when you're working, is that energizing for you? Is it challenging to work in, in those environments? Would you rather just say, okay, it's just all terrain and we're just going to pop it the way we want it to do it. Exactly. It would be a whole lot easier if we were doing one thing over and over again and we'd probably be a lot more profitable. But we love a challenge. We love, more importantly, we love activations that have never been done before because that's what people are attracted to. People are attracted to you know, originality, authenticity, you know, creativity and and you know, just just as you're walking down the street, you see some street art you've never seen before. You want to engage with that, you know, or someone uh, dressed a certain way walking down the street. You're attracted to that. It's different from the rest. So we uh, applaud, or we uh, we always ask the brand, you know, what 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 is your uh, theme for this? What is do you have any ideas that you'd like to bring life? Because it. Working on the brand side, it's very personal. They know the brand best. They know who their customers are. And so we'd like to take all the information that they have and then apply it or translate it to events, you know, guerrilla, street, experiential, wherever it is. So that's how we usually operate. And thank you for that. Uh, talking about activations, and we've got our own new AOC, Authenticity, Originality, and Creativity. <laughs> we need to be part of, nice. of those activations, so that's a, a great way to do it. Do you have favorite ones that you can share with us that you've, well, that you've done? That, the you know? favorite from this summer was for an organization called DKMS, and they uh, deal with a very serious topic. They're a nonprofit and deals with blood cancer. And they tried to get people to donate their, their bone marrow to people who are uh, wow. suffering with the uh, wow. Now, that is a big downer. Yes. But they had an idea, <laughs> and we built upon it that we felt uh, did everything for, for the brand and people in public. So they, uh, they had an idea of putting old-school New York City phone booths on the street. And, you know, the old school, like the Superman ones where you walk in and you close the door. Mm. And inside the booth, there was a iPad telling the story of a survivor of this. So you were walking through, you know, Astor Place, and you saw this red branded phone booth. Instead of telephone, it said DKMS on it. And the phone was ringing, or at least the FaceTime call ring that you hear. And... And uh, some people who were on the mere curious side walked in and say, oh, what is this? You know, I haven't seen a phone booth in years. And then we also had brand ambassadors for people who needed to, you know, a little nudge to say, hey, that calls for you. It might be for you. Why don't you check it out? So then people go in, they, they uh, press the accept call, and there was a video running of a person who uh, received a bone marrow transplant and that they're doing really well. I mean, first, the stories actually start off with them not doing so well and then how uh, they, they became a survivor. And then, so you see the emotions going through someone, you know, mm. with their hands on their face, oh my goodness. And then they're kind of like relieved. And then when they came out of the phone booth, of that experience, they were greeted by the same person they saw in the video, wow. shaking their hands wow. saying, thank you for listening really appreciate it you know that was me and I'm here because of someone like you Powerful. Wow. and uh, and then we had brand ambassadors ask people if they would like to sign up and they got over a hundred signups 
in you know one day now that we just love it not only because it was a good cause it was original creative but it also took people on a journey that's what we really like an experiential mm. journey so first it was curiosity and then it was a big downer you know like oh this is awful and then someone survived they're happy and then at coming out of it they were even you know put to a whole new level and this is all within three minutes and that's kind of the essence of, at least on the street side of things street marketing mm. sometimes you only have three words to say somebody because they're just walking by and sometimes you have three minutes where you can tell a story but you kind of uh, do it in a way that really works and so that was certainly my favorite oh from the I, i'm like emotional which you all know we have to do it this idea of that experiential journey in three minutes time uh so activations we're gonna um, uh, just i love the hearing that that story really beats the hell out of coca-cola hugging machine for me <laughs> for sure <laughs> then do you have anything that's coming yeah to one you? thing um just this is kind of going back a little bit but you were talking about how the streets influenced you as a kid and um just having that knowledge is what kind of sets your your company and and what sets experimental marketers apart from other marketers in the various subsects of the industry. So just how do you when you're setting up an event or a campaign, how do you know what's the best neighborhood to like to set that up? How are you going to reach those like target customers that the client was trying to actually target the communications to? And then also similarly when you're going into a new city if the client wants you to break into a new city for example or do an event in a new city how do you get insight insight about that city that you might not necessarily have personal experience with or professional experience with how do you get that same knowledge yeah so i i personally it's my passion it's the you know city culture so i stay on top as best i can i like to travel as much as possible and whenever i'm traveling you know i like to walk that city or bike that city because it becomes more personal instead of driving Definitely, around. Yeah. But just a good example is like New York City, if you have a, a tech brand, you're trying to reach people who, you know, are you know, have tech careers, you know, you most likely want to do something in Dumbo. It's a great uh, way to reach people because there's one subway station and probably ten to twenty thousand, you know, people work at ad agencies or developers are coming out of one mm. York Street subway station, mm. and you can greet them there every in morning, right? Or even the Flatiron District, you know. And so you do something. You have an activation that runs for six hours. You greet people as they're walking out of the subway, and then you could do something at lunchtime when people even have more time to engage with you. So uh, knowing city culture, neighborhood culture, it's where it is at. And I think it becomes more personal. You know, if you activate in somebody's neighborhood, you know, when they're near their usual coffee and muffin place or whatever it is while they're walking their dog, it becomes a part of their lifestyle. Yeah, definitely, there becomes an association to that kind of central exactly. identity. So we're big on neighborhood marketing, mm -hmm. you know. And um, it's, it's uh, again, your question was, how do you stay on top of it? You know, read a lot, uh, I subscribe to a lot of, you know, what's happening in Logan Square, you know, blog, you know, in Chicago. So just kind of stay on top of those things, talk to people. And we have street teams and managers in each market. So if we're working on a campaign for Minneapolis, like we did last week, you know, let's talk to the people there. They'll know that city better than we know it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, also another thing that I had, it was kind of going back to something that you said before in our conversation is the novelty that each campaign kind of needs to bring in 
the um, bring in the various customers and actually get their attention when they're walking past yeah, your original. actual displays. How do you keep that originality in each campaign while still kind of learning from each success story and fa- and maybe failure story too, where you keep some of what you've learned from past campaigns into your new campaigns without it kind of being the same thing or like a reiteration? Right. Well, I can tell you what not to do is to do things like Greenpeace, you know, have someone with a clipboard there trying to sign you up for something mm-hmm. or, or a street team just handing out a flyer. Those are things that people avoid. So you really need to, again, get back to, you know, generating curiosity, interest, and attention. But uh, with every job, we, we activate, we always have a manager on site. Not, not just to prep the team and make sure everything's on point, but also to take notes. What are the consumer's reactions? Uh, to do a debrief at the end, talk to each individual ambassador, say, what did you encounter? What worked? What didn't? Sometimes we have clients say, we want to do this all in one day. You know, we want to have street teams everywhere. I said, actually, the better approach is to do it over 20 days because you take the learnings from the first day, you apply it to the second day, and the second day, you apply it to the third day. So once you're on to the fifth day, you're, you know, a smooth running engine. You know, it's, it's just working really, really well. Mm-hmm. I mentioned, you know, kind of in joking about the Coke uh, hugging machine, the, the, the cost of experiential, and talk about that, What's, what are the ranges that people can go in? So Coke has, you know, an amazing uh, framework for experiential marketing, mm-hmm. throws lots and lots of money at it, this whole idea of uh, the emotion, which they're very good at, and, and the original things, which they're very good at, but this, this costs a lot of money. So how, how about, from your perspective, it, does it have to cost uh, millions, millions and millions to do this? <laughs> well, um, you know, it can cost uh, anywhere from 10,000 to 10 million, depending on what you want to do. But I will say that, you know, what's been in vogue for the past five to 10 years is activating at these festivals, you know, at Governor's Ball or South by Southwest. Mm. And those things, I think, are gonna go a little bit to the wayside because just starting in to get in the gate, it will be $50,000. Then you have to do your build out, and you know, it's a 20 by 10 or 40 by 40, that could easily be $100,000. Then you have to staff it and document it and everything else. So how do you make, you put a, $200,000 investment into a one-day event, you know, it becomes a question, or I think brands will start questioning, you know, is it worth it? Now, we always recommend that the document, document it, you integrate your influencers, so it's not just those 10,000 people that interact with it. It could be 100,000 or 500, 5 million, depending on how interesting it is. But, um, you know, we're about, more about activating you know, figure out a solution that works for a brand that they could do over and over again that makes sense from a profit perspective. Yeah, and I think also one thing, just hearing about that story that you have with the with your blood cancer campaign, I think what invokes such raw emotions from these passerbys is that it's a story of an individual. Whereas, like for example, a lot of times on more large scale, kind of on these emotional campaigns, like. Like Coke, a lot of the time it's like share a Coke with everyone, like with all your friends. And that's a little bit, these these stories involving multiple people are a little bit harder for people to connect with and also envision in their mind mentally than the story of an individual. It becomes a little bit more tangible and like more 
um, more able to like put yourself in the shoes of that one person so I feel like that's also when invoking kind of like an emotional story like with what you were saying I feel like it's always the individual story is a little bit more powerful than the story of the collective. Well, that is certainly one of the biggest trends we see is to mm-hmm. have story-centric mm-hmm. experiences. Yeah. You know, yeah, experiential tell us a little bit more about that, like a story-centric experience. For, think of my students, yeah, so where did that, like, I just love to think about how the, how this bubbles up and how long does it take for you and your team just like, all right, we got it now, the story, what's that Well, well brands are pretty good at, you know, not just having an about us page, you know, saying who they are and what they're from, but really having a story of wh- why they're doing what they're doing. So taking that story, you know, which which uh, something that the, the brand wouldn't be there, you know, even if it's a startup, unless people are started gravitating toward it, whether it's the employees, the investors, and eventually the customers. So taking that story and applying it to your marketing, your in real world marketing. Plus, you know, like from uh, a psychology perspective, you know, like people remember stories. Mm-hmm. Like we're gonna remember sitting here for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone, you know, says, hey, do you remember this? I remember that. everything else that happened this day. I probably remember, I won't remember writing all those emails or anything else, but things that are experiences that, that uh, you know, that tell a story uh, or we're sharing stories, that is something that gets registered inside your brain in a different way. So we're uh, trying to move activations towards stories like the DKMS example that we're talking about or just about anything, even if it's B2B, you know, or D2C, you know, know, let's, let's, let's try and get your story. Now it's a little challenging sometimes doing it in New York where everyone's too busy to engage mm-hmm. or too cool for marketing. A lot of, you know, hipsters <laughs> or whatever. So, um, so you have to figure out how to, do, to relay your story with a few words and maybe some item that you give them. Maybe it's a little gift bag with some information that they can engage with once they get to their office or on their way home on the subway. You know, so you have to figure out how to tell your story in many different ways. You know, we're just on the, you know, uh, tangible tactile side of things when it comes to bringing that story to life. Do you hear about that um, in your coursework too? How do you relate to this idea of story? Is that part of, uh, for you, learning deeply about that? Have you written or talked or done any projects around story? Um, We were talking about it a lot in my consumer behavior class and we talk about kind of, we talked about like the way to successfully do stories and, and what sort of emotions provide which sort of effects and if they're good for to serve as triggers for whichever behaviors that you're doing so I found that really interesting I actually did a paper on um, talking about emotions in advertising and like their effects so to speak like based on these stories and and what we found we did our own research which was kind of very unofficial but just asking about like 25 (laughs) people to view these as like um, we had a disappointment ad, which would be like an above the influence ad, where it was um, disappointment, but we more had that emotion be shame, where it was like a dog talking to its owner, being like, "All you do is uh, smoke marijuana, you're just turning into a couch and stuff like that." And we found that negative emotions can serve as a um, can serve as kind of like a good pur- purchase or whatever trigger once you put the kind of I wouldn't say like um, once you put the like onus on the person themselves so some emotions that we found that work really good was was guilt 
so which was really interesting and and we kind of saw that with this uh Budweiser ad that there was about it was an anti-drinking ad where it was about a dog who um like it was like centered around a dog who was like waiting around very long for its owner and then it turns out who went out to party with some friends and it turns out that his owner comes back because he was too drunk to drive he comes back the next day instead of coming back at night and that was very powerful because it has this idea of guilt of like your actions put a sort of like affect other people and that puts kind of the onus of responsibility on one person versus what we saw with like this shame and disappointment ad that of that above the influence it kind of puts the onus of responsibility on the person but it it becomes a little bit very subjective that it becomes that the person can discredit it so it was um some experience with that and that was really interesting to me just seeing how different emotions can either make someone very averse towards a product or or not like we know now because of like the the experience i forgot the name of the person but about fear like fear activation is not really like it's kind of got like a bell curve effect so it's like all these different emotions provide very different effects and you can utilize them depending on whatever you like want the goal to be your story it's not to say that one that that one emotion is never to be effective in any sort of situation but it was cool to see the different contexts I just took some notes on that too. (laughs) No, I mean, it all comes down to, you know, people, you know, we're all human and we all uh, are a mix of emotions and being rational. And I think that plays into everything we do, you know, what sneakers we buy, Mm -hmm. you know, where we, what we do with, where we go on vacation, all those things. So you really have to tap into, you know, is it aspiration? Is it guilt? All these uh, different things are going on. People plus tied in with, a little bit of you know motivation and saying you should you know you should uh, do this it's be good for you and your family whatever mm-hmm. it is. it's kind of like and here's the offer to do it you know so a little bit so of both. so do you need a degree in marketing to tell a story and do you when you think about this because I'm thinking about my own students and eventually you know, people who are listening to this too a lot of my friends who are in small businesses want to hear this too so we've heard a, a nice bit about storytelling and so how does that uh, storytelling uh, come together with a team? Like, is it is it you're all is it a big brain bang? What happens when you actually create that? Well, uh, back to do you need degree in marketing? I would say the best storytellers are artists. You know, whether you're a filmmaker yeah, exactly. or different thing. You know, those are the people yeah. who know how to tell stories. Mm-hmm. So you should definitely delve into that, understand what they're doing and how they do it, and apply it now. Um, advertising and marketing will never be art, but it's always good to be influenced by some some great, mm-hmm. great uh, things. So, um, but you know, working in groups is always a challenge. Everyone's coming from different perspectives and educational backgrounds, and then it's you know, talking about the brand side, figuring out what your story is going to be, and then um, is it going to resonate with your uh, customers or with the public? Who's it, who's going to who's it going to appeal to? So those are tough questions that uh, you have to might have to have a marketing degree for, yeah. or a psychology degree, one or the other would be good. Let's go back to that uh, red phone booth. So where did that come from? The story of that, like, was that from the client and then you all, or or you just come from the heart and say, oh, this could be used. I'm just interested in how that activation. Yep. The story that came they, they were working on it for a year or two, believe it or not, and, and they just had yet to pull the trigger on it. But they were thinking about just having a regular old phone and, 
and someone you know picking up listing the phone I was like hey well that that's good but let's update it to you know if you want people who are in the age range of you know 17 to 29 to donate let's make it something they're more familiar with does the, mm-hmm. the face tone ring and an iPad yes. you know in there so we helped them update it uh, with that and uh, also applied some of the street knowledge you know what what where to do it so we did two places one was Astor Place and the other one was on Broadway you know between uh, Houston and Prince uh, so you you know you, you have you know it's not Times Square there's they don't want to be Times Square it's gonna be tourists but but they you know it's kind of iconic places in the city downtown so um, so we, we felt, uh, you know, what the, the idea they had was excellent. We just needed to, you know, as I said before, like translate it to the street. Yeah, that's, which it circles us back. This is a perfect way to sort of begin closing out because when we started together, uh, you, I, took, I was taking notes and uh, the first note was the street influences life. Mm. And so I love, you know, keeping that in mind. If you're going to be an experiential marketer, you know, like go to the street. You just can't, you have to know about so many different types of ways to live life. And that's why I liked when you were advising sort of this curation, you know, how do you find out about different places, where to get your information from so that you're really in the know. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, so. Mike, you, you kind of alluded to things that, and I want to hear from both you, both of you. Where where are places where you get information from? Right. What do you follow? What do you try to do? And I love how you talked about the artists and outside of the, the silo. Where do you get information from that helps you in in making experiences? I would say it starts with yourself. You know, you have to be someone who's curious about life, mm-hmm. people. You know, uh, I'm fascinated with uh, those two things and city culture. So it all kind of came together and then I had a little bit of a marketing education. So it started with that and, and uh, you, you know, but you, there are probably other avenues for people to learn, but you just need to be open. I see a lot of people just walking through cities and they're just on a mission and they don't, or they have their blinders on, but you know, yeah, or they have their earbuds in. I'm earbuds, not the right. person walking down the street with the earbuds and I like to hear what's going on, the conversations people are having on the subway, <laughs> in the cafes, what people are wearing and, mm. and, and what's happening, you know, in their lives. And now I might have spark a conversation with somebody. That's great. That's probably the best thing to do, mm. but you can't do that with everybody. So you got to soak it all in as a whole. Uh, when you're traveling and then take those notes and then apply them to you know your brand and say hey you know I noticed that people you know on the Upper West Side or you know uh, tend to do this on the weekends Mm -hmm. you know and so and they tend to have kids and or a lot of baby strollers around here in this park slope or any other neighborhood so you know maybe we should we have a product that's geared toward families with young kids we should activate in Park Slope and the Upper Makes West sense. Side, that type of thing. So just be aware and take notes. It's not, you know, and, and the things that you'll find out there in the world, you know, could inspire you to or create new ideas or new products for your brand. So I'd say just soak it all in as much That's as possible. So I love it. So yeah. how about you, Ben, like when you hear that question? Um, I think like uh, Adam said, it definitely starts with the individual and yourself. and. I think it's also based on your interest too and the type of person that you are because there's just a lot of 
especially living in a city like New York, there's a lot of noise, there's a lot of clutter on the streets that kind of makes it hard to be able to notice everything. So I feel like your interests kind of guide you too and like the type of person that you are. Like, um, you know, you might be, if you're interested in music, you might be paying more attention to that street performer who's doing something or like, oh, what are people kind of listening to when the when the noise, when people are listening really loud on their headphones with that music that's coming out and stuff like that. That's stuff that I see and I feel like I'm, I'm very attuned to. And I feel like just insights come also from the, your network as well, your friends, the people that you're walking on the streets with, they be they'll be noticing stuff that's that's different than you, and um, it's based on kind of something that Adam was saying earlier. Like I'm a big fan too of when I go to a new place, when I'm traveling, new country, new city. I love just going to the central neighborhood or like one of these more busy neighborhoods and just walking around and kind of letting myself get lost in the streets, so to speak, and doing that with another person is always interesting because they always point out different things to me and they always, it leads to insight and it leads to me getting like evidence to support insight that I wouldn't have really gotten before. So that's always kind of interesting and helpful too when just the network and the people that you spend time with, they'll give you different perspectives and different ideas. That's that's wonderful, Ben. Um, I often <laughs> say, you know, uh, that when I'm walking down the street with a friend of mine who's a skater, is we see the, the, the that street in fundamentally different ways. Yeah, exactly. so I'm looking at all the street art and little stickers and whatever else uh, that's uh, of interest to me or what I could use and leverage in marketing. And he's looking at it from you know you know the curbs and where he can ride and what yeah, he can exactly. do. So it's it's you're so right on with that. Uh, everyone looks at it from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And it's great because Gen Z. That's what you are, right? You hear the Gen Z perspective and your perspective. I'm, I'm and, the X side of things. But, you know, just understanding yeah. that it's the whole idea of being this observer and in making sure that you don't lose that uh, because we have everything that could keep us company, babysit for ourselves with our, our phones. And, you know, we see it here in New York. Everybody's just sort of in their little bubble. Uh, when my students in Paris hear this, it's really good. It's it's a very different tape for them too, talking about talking to other people, which doesn't really often happen, from my experience, in other cultures where people would actually talk to somebody that they didn't know, mm -hmm. um, that they wouldn't feel comfortable going to a place that they really don't know unless they were even with a group. So I challenge my students to do that. Yeah. So so be a little more like uh, New York <laughs> and Paris, but you know, what can you do to really become that observer uh, in a new way that can inform you, especially if you want to build experience? Well, I want to thank you, Adam. This is really uh, wonderful. We've, we've met a few times, and I know I'm going to be following you again and hopefully seeing you again. And I'd like to go to a, uh, an activation sometime where I can see your work too. And that would be if we could time it, that I have students here in New York, wouldn't it be amazing for them to even be part of it? That'd be my pleasure. And um, sometimes, you know, I, I want to ask you if you just, well, let's close with one, like a word. If you were to, to give me a word about experiential marketing out of all the words that you've given me, and I'm going to ask you this, Ben, too, like, so what's a word that you feel? really gets to your the root of what you're trying to do uh, personal connection would be the word okay. 
but if I'm going to leave anybody with a few tidbits is to don't view experiential as a one-off. Be consistent with it. Don't just do you know something three times a year. You really need to be out there and find something that works for your brand day in and day out. So yeah, consistency and personalization. I think that's great. Um, I guess mine would be like relevancy, kind of targeted as well, because that I don't think that only goes for just experiential marketing. I think it's just for marketing in general. You have to have your communications be relevant and be something that people can actually connect with, because otherwise they won't give you the time of day and they won't actually listen to what you have to say. So, and that's step one of getting whatever you want your customer to do like whether it's just to be more aware of your brand to actually purchase your products or or, or whatever it might be to get more signups to give people to give away your bone marrow it has to be something that people could connect with and people can make some sort of impact too so yeah, I love that too I think for me it's like um, expression you know that, that that you really for me and an experience it, sets you free to to really get deeply connected to whatever that product is also and the people around you so I feel like feel like it allows you that permission to be expressive mm -hmm. so I want to thank here. you again and uh, look forward to seeing you again look forward to seeing you again mm -hmm. too Ben Ben's going back to New Orleans so three days yeah, yeah <laughs> three days so I don't know may, may have to May have to get uh, get that on my calendar and come and see you. I'd love to be able to talk to your your group yeah. about what we're doing here. Come, it would definitely be great to have you at the AMA branch at Tulane. Well, thank you. Yeah. I'll take that as an invitation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks so much. Uh, last podcast for me before leaving for France, and I'm excited about that. I'll be in France from September fifth to October fifth, and I'll be teaching three courses. Of experiential marketing and I'm teaching brand management and then I'm teaching luxury marketing communications class and hopefully I'll have some time to have experiences in Paris and not just work. <laughs> Thanks so much again and have a good day all. Thank you.